0: Welcome to the Herd and Ten Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Fretinsky.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Herd and Ten Podcast. I am joined by my co-host and former NFL defensive tackle Corbin Bryant, also, my other brother here this week, Kevin Fertinsky. When I asked Kevin to join this episode, at that point, the Bills were getting destroyed in the first half. I thought the game was over. I thought this podcast was going to be about how the Bills are a disaster like we had done just last week. But then the Bills, or I should say Josh Allen, turned it around, and the Bills went on to come just this about an inch of winning this game and they just couldn't quite do it I want to start with Corbin here get your thoughts on the game get your thoughts on what exactly the Buffalo Bills are because in the first half they looked like one of the if not the worst team in the NFL and then in the second half they were competing with pretty much who is the best team in the NFL in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and then after your talk We'll go to Kevin and get his thoughts on the game.
2: Well, first off, Jay, we have to look at it like this. And it's something that we've been seeing all year long. Josh Allen is the offense. As if you look at the statistical sheet, Josh Allen accounted for 90% of our total yards. Like, like how does that even happen? He's throwing for, for 300 yards and he rushed for 110 yards. I mean, a fantastic effort by Josh but the one thing that held us back on offense is and then we are and we sound like a broken record on this podcast the red zone what the buccaneers were doing to us they're like okay just like every other team is doing starting with jacksonville and probably even before that teams are like we'll give you everything underneath we don't care we don't care if you get 5 yards on this play 10 yards on this play we're going to beat you in the red zone and until you can prove that you can score in the red zone we'll let you get down there sure if you kick a field goal, especially against the goal, Tom Brady, I mean, it, it, I mean, there's, there's, there's no way you can beat a team kicking field goals. And like I was just saying before this, before we started the show, we kick a field goal and the uh, Bruce Arians over there clapping, like we did it. Great job guys. We're kicking the field goal. And then before you know it, we're down 17 to three. And then when you get to that point in the game, Brian Dable, he's pretty much scrapping the game plan. He's like, okay, we got to figure out um, what we can do to score quickly, because if we don't, this game's gonna get out of hand. And as you saw in the first half, it seemed like it was getting out of hand. When you look on the defensive end, it's like the, the Buccaneers' offense is tough to stop. Let's just, let's just, let's just be honest with with ourselves. They got Leonard Fournette at running back, running through, running through alleys like it's nobody's business. Their offensive line is, is solid across the board. Their center, Jensen, is, is a fantastic player. Gronkowski, he may have slowed down a little bit in the past game, but his blocking is still at, at an elite level. And you saw that when he was able to seal that block on Gregory Rousseau and, and, and launch Leonard Fournette all the way to, to, to the end zone on, on that first drive. Uh, but, but listen... The, the Bills defense, they have to learn how to work together with each other. That's one thing that I did not see yesterday that I did see a little bit in the beginning of the season, but we got down and we got reckless and we got away from what we do best. We you, we're usually pushing the pocket, squeezing the pocket and, and, and allowing the quarterback to throw up to throw out of a garbage can. But at, at one point in the game, guys were recklessly rushing around the edge, allowing a guy like Tom Brady, who runs a five nine and a forty, running through running through holes to get to get first downs. Like we have to be a team that stays within character because once we get out of character, then we we get in trouble. So uh, we did play better in the second half. We only allowed three points in in in, in the entire second half. We're including overtime from that. So it was a, a better performance. We did get some stops. But when you play against a team like the Bucks, I mean, it's, it's, it's just too little too late.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree with so much of what he said. But we better damn well hope that we're more the team that we saw in the second half. Otherwise, we ain't making the playoffs. We need to see more of Josh Allen taking the game into his hands because That's all we got. We got Josh Allen, and we got a solid defense overall. That's what our team is. We got no run game. We got no O-line. We have a fantastic QB and a solid defense. Like Corbin said, our defense has got to stay with what they do best. I was actually impressed by the way Dane Jackson played yesterday. I thought he played very well. You know, we're obviously missing Trey White, but I thought Dane Jackson filled in admirably. He got called on a few, let's say, weak pass interference calls. And otherwise, I thought he played well. Levi played well too. We didn't allow the Bucs to throw all over the place in the second half, um, which was definitely a step up. And if we can play like we did, In the second half the rest of the way i think we can win out make it to the playoffs and be a very dangerous team in the afc because i look around the afc and i don't see any great team kansas city is still there but outside of kansas city i think if we make it to the playoffs there's no team that i would say there's no chance we're gonna we we can beat so Let's hope we're that second half team and we can make a push the next 4 games, make it to the playoffs and see what happens.
1: Definitely when we look at the Buffalo Bills, they have been quite a roller coaster ride this year. And I think at this point in time, we have a legitimate shot to make the playoffs. It's crazy. I I thought it was over when we lost to New England. I had said that was it. Like we're not going to the playoffs, we're not good. But then we go and do this in the second half against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who have looked really good all season. And yes, we lost, but it's the way we lost. We looked really good. Well, at least Josh Allen looked really good. Josh Allen has proven that if he absolutely needs to take the team on his back, he can do it. He can carry this team. And it's not the way you want to win every game. You don't want to ask him to do everything, but it seems like that is the only way we're going to get anything done. So there's two silver linings that I take from this game. One, Josh Allen is for real. There's been a lot of doubt in this season as to whether he is a real MVP or a top tier quarterback. There is no doubt he is. And I think we can now clearly state that the offensive line is pathetic. And that is the only reason Josh has not been as good this season, because as soon as he decided to get the ball out faster or start running all over the place, he did it. So there's no question that he is an elite quarterback. And I talk about that because I just saw Chris Sims, who's an NBC NFL analyst. And he said that although Brady is, you know, in the lead in the MVP voting and whatever else, He said that he believes yesterday Josh Allen was the best quarterback on that field in that game, and I completely agree with him. It's not even close. Brady's a great player. He's done a lot of great things. I don't take that from him, but Josh Allen was the better player yesterday, and the better player doesn't always win, but it is nice to know that Josh Allen is exactly who we thought he was. He is a game-changing player. He is a franchise quarterback. And hopefully he never wants to leave Buffalo because if they don't put an offensive line around him sometime soon in the next season or two, you better believe he's going to want out of here. I hope that doesn't happen, but it certainly is possible. The other silver lining is exactly what you said, Kevin. Dane Jackson. We had talked endlessly about that. We were so concerned. How are the Buffalo bills going to stop the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? how is Dane Jackson going to stop Tom Brady? But he did it. Maybe it wasn't in the first half, but in the second half, Dane Jackson looked like a veteran. He looked comfortable. He was in plays where he's getting contact on the receiver, but he's looking back. He's doing exactly what he needs to do. And yes, there were a couple weak calls, but he looked really good. And to me, that's really promising because that was my biggest concern through the next few weeks here is, can the Bills actually make the playoffs? without another cornerback, but I think they actually have one in Dane Jackson. And of course, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, those guys continue to look like the best tandem in the NFL at safety. Those guys just make things happen. Unlike some guys like Tremaine Edmonds, I'm not going to go down that road. We've done this before, but we have some players on this defense that when asked to make a play, they can make a play. And I think we're going to need that over the next few weeks, but it is going to be interesting to see what Bill's team shows up every week. Cause we really just don't know quite who's going to show up. I want to talk about the end of the game. Stefan digs. He definitely gets interfered with. There is no call. There is a question that maybe that costs the bills the game. Now, You have to win the game. You have to forget about the refs. You need to win the game on your own merit. And I'm not saying that it's the refs fault that the Bills lost, but you have to take into consideration that there were some calls made throughout the game that to me were a lot lighter than the amount of contact that was made on Stefan Diggs. And it wasn't the first time in the game that he was interfered with and it was not called. And I understand that you're not going to call everything. But come on, you got to give Stefan Diggs some respect. No, Corbin.
2: I learned a long time ago that when you're playing in a game, especially a game of that magnitude, you don't put your faith in the refs. I'm sorry. some I know some people do it. Um Brady probably did it yesterday when he threw a deep pass just to get a, a pass interference call on, on Levi Wallace when he was throwing to Mike Evans. Mike Evans. But you, you you just don't do that. You don't you don't put your offense around that. You don't just throw fade balls and just hope that the guy holds them. That's just that's just not a great strategy. A great strategy would be to, okay, we need to get in the red zone and we need to have a script of plays that we know can work and we need to have adjustments off those plays if we see a defense that we cannot, that we can't execute this, this, um, this route tree against. So the first play in the red zone, I mean, we're we're running Josh Allen on a quarterback sweep with, with his leg basically basically broken. That's just that's just not a that's just not a play that that's gonna that's gonna provide any dividends. And one thing that I did see, and it was a it was very eye opening to me in the game, I saw that the defensive line they basically knew they knew the Bills were running that play. So from for, from my eyes as a defensive lineman, that tells me there's something on tape that teams are watching that says, okay, when they're about to run the quarterback sweep, maybe the, the offensive guard's hand is a little light, so, he, so he's going he's, he's gonna, to he's gonna zone outside. Or maybe the, the back is, is wide out, outside of the tackle, so that tells me something. But I don't know what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers saw yesterday, but they had that thing down pat. So that's something that I think the Bills need to look at, because there, there's some, there's something out there on tape that's telling teams, like, hey, this is what the Bills are doing to run the quarterback sweep. Possibly this is something that the Bills love to do in the red zone. This is, like, their concept. So what that tells me as an analyst is the Bills need to switch it up a bit. Now, granted, the Bills went three for five in the red zone yesterday. It's not, that's not bad. But when when the rubber meets the road, like, and you need to score to win the game, you, you, you can't just – Throw a fade ball and just and just hope that Stefan Deeps gets interfered with. You know, we had some great plays like up the scene with Dawson Knox that worked really well. Cole Beasley was playing his butt off yesterday. Maybe we could have had something like a like what something like the Patriots used to love to do with Julian Edelman. Put him out there wide to the left and have him run an option route on the corner. Because that's what the that's what the Bucks were doing. They were playing man to man. So an option route with Cole Beasley would be fantastic to run against that so I mean we have we have options down there but the Bills definitely need to not one not depend on the refs to give you a call and two work, work to your strengths a little bit in the red zone
1: yeah Kevin I think you had some takes here about maybe other things that the Bills can do we saw that the Buffalo Bills had a lot of success up the seam whether it was Dawson Knox or Gabriel Davis Maybe you want to talk a little to that and thoughts on maybe that's something the bills need to continue to do, particularly when they get down in close to the end zone, because these fade routes just don't seem to be the greatest option. I know Diggs has great hands, but you're putting a lot of pressure on a very, very difficult play for Diggs to make.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree with what Corbin said. I think, I think it was Beasley's time, third and two. He was getting open very quickly on a lot of plays. That could have been a quick a quick juke move, something from Beasley there. We only needed two yards. We didn't need to get in the end zone on that play. Um, and I was happy to see Gabe Davis played more. Um, too bad it was at the expense of Emmanuel Sanders getting hurt. But I believe that Gabe Davis at this point is – the better option to Emmanuel Sanders and the fact that Emmanuel Sanders is not playing next week hopefully Gabe Davis will be used more and will get that second wide receiver spot because I think he is the younger more athletic option at this point and as we've seen Emmanuel Sanders the last two months of the season hasn't been overly productive so maybe getting the ball to Davis more, will open up this offense. He's a bit of a bigger body, along with Knox. Um, He can be used both on the outside and in the inside. We saw him score a touchdown um, right up the seam yesterday. Both Knox and Davis, for that matter, scored the same way. And yet they're doing a fade to Diggs in the end zone Um, was not the greatest play call, in my opinion. Um, So let's hope we see more creative play calling in the future. Like Corbin said, we need to get more creative. We need to convert in the red zone. If we're going to make the playoffs and win out, that's just a fact. And we don't have the run game to do it. So it's going to be up to Josh Allen.
1: I'm going to take a little turn here and I'm going to ask you guys something point blank. Was Boogie Basham a terrible, terrible draft pick? I'll give my opinion first. I'm then going to go to Corbin. I, I see that face. He, he might not be on the same page as me. I, when I look at this pick, I go, damn, that's a player that could be really good. Basham has a lot of potential, but he doesn't belong on a team that had this many defensive linemen already. There is a reason that he's been a healthy scratch for almost the entire season. Specifically, when we know now how awful our offensive line was and is, doesn't it seem reasonable that we should have spent a little more draft capital on our offensive line? It seems like Rousseau may be a good pick. We, don't, we really don't know yet, but at the very least, he's super talented. He brings something that we didn't have. So far from what I've seen from Boogie Basham, I don't see anything that he brings that's unique or different than things we already had other than simply just extra depth. Did we need to spend a high pick on a guy who we don't need now, who we may need in a year or two from now and we might not be the same team anymore? Corbin, I'll get your thoughts on this. And then we'll go straight to Kevin. And then I got another thing to uh, to turn to.
2: Well, well, here's the thing: we did get Spencer Brown in the draft, so like that's that's our offensive line um, pick there. And he's he's done okay. He's he's been better than who we've had out there um, with, with Williams playing um, right tackle. But do I? I mean, Boogie Baston. I mean, he's a he's a rookie. I mean, he, you got to give the guy at least a shot to, to show what he can do he, he hasn't played a ton of snaps and he's made some plays this year but to say that he was a, a bad draft pick I mean it's I, I mean that's really that's just really either that's here nor there I mean he's a guy that's what's drafted for depth that's something that we needed on the defensive line because let's see we had Jerry who's he's getting up there he's, a, he's an older player we don't know how many more years he's gonna continue to play you got Mario Addison, and then you have the first-round pick in Rousseau, and then you got Epinesa, who is – I mean, I, I never see him do anything out there. Um, so we have to – yeah, we, have, we had to get some depth, and we had to get some competitive depth. Remember I talked about last week, when you're in the draft and when you're looking in free agency as well, you have to add that competitive depth because if you don't add that competitive depth, you know, you won't get – the competition that you need in training camp to push guys because you don't want guys coming in saying, Oh yeah, my, my spot is solidified. Like I don't have to compete with anybody. No, having a competitive environment is helpful for the team. Now has Boogie Basham been getting all of the, all of the reps? No, you know, he's been inactive. He's got in sparingly throughout the year, but am I ready to throw in the towel on the guy? Absolutely not. The, The draft, there's a reason why you have limited picks in the draft. You identify players that you think can fit your system, and it's pretty much a coin flip. I mean, who like who knew that Sam Darnold would be this bad? I mean, as, as much as Mel Kiper and Todd McShay talked about this guy throwing the ball around, and he, he, he's going to be a career backup here soon. So that, the, the draft is a toss-up. I've seen a lot of undrafted free agents like myself come out there and just be, be great players. So, you know, you really have to wait and see how guys develop. But to, to give a, a, a grade to Boogie Basham, I mean, I would say incomplete right now, but I say give the guy a chance.
0: Yeah, I, I have no problem with Boogie Basham as a player. I have a problem with who, the position they drafted. I think it was not a win now draft pick. That is the issue I have with it. We needed a running back. We needed an interior offensive lineman. We did not need a 12th defensive lineman. They traded Daryl Johnson for a seventh round pick. Daryl Johnson would have been more useful to our team this year than Boogie Basham. I don't dislike Boogie Basham as a player. I don't know what he's gonna end up as. Doesn't look like to me he's going to be that great, but who knows? The, the real problem is it took away from another position that we could have added to. I believe Creed Humphrey was taken almost, I might be wrong, but almost directly after Boogie Basham, and he has been the number one graded interior offensive lineman in the entire league this year. So that improved Kansas City drastically. And our second-round pick improved us zero. That's the problem I have with the pick.
2: Well, and just always remember, this last thing I'll say, hindsight is always 20-20. Don't you always look back and wish that you could have drafted him or you could have stayed back in the draft and not, and not traded up to get uh, Sammy Watkins? Or, you know, we, we, like we have like a lot of those things that come up in the draft, but you got to stick to your draft strategy. And if you think guys can help you, but you really don't know what you get until they get on the field. And then, you know, once they show you who they are and then you either like, yes, I'm a great scout or man, we really failed on this one,
0: so. I just have a problem with the position just because we had so much depth at that position. Even Vernon Butler is virtually the same player as Basham. And he's not playing either. So. But,
2: but, but, but what would you be saying if Boogie Basham had six sacks? Right? You don't know. You don't know. You
0: don't I would be know. saying we didn't need another defensive lineman, but I'm happy he panned out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's where we're at. Look, I think Boogie Basham could be a good player. From what we saw in training camp, and even in the moments he's played, I got to admit he's actually played really well in the time he's played. I'm not going to say he's not a good player because I actually think he's looked good. The issue is once again, to reiterate is that we could have drafted a position that we desperately needed. We know, and yes, hindsight is 2020. However, we knew coming into this season, we did not have a good offensive line. It's not surprising that our offensive line is not very good. It's not surprising that our running game is not good, actually. is terrible. Those are not surprises. We knew those things were issues. Maybe they're not things that needed to be dealt with in the draft because we're talking about drafting Basham, not drafting Basham. Maybe we're taking the wrong look at this. Maybe we needed to go to free agency. We didn't even bother doing that. right? We didn't bring in any new linemen that could actually make our line better. And we knew we had problems. I can't say we didn't bring in a free agent for the running back position because we did. We brought in Matt Breida. But let's be honest here. Matt Breida has, yes, some things that we don't have in Zach Moss and in Devin Singletary. But let's not kid ourselves. We knew Matt Breida could not be a really good running back in the NFL. He could be a useful player. He could help our running game, but he wasn't going to turn our running game from being bad to being great. We didn't draft a running back that had great potential, and we didn't bring in a running back in free agency with a lot of potential. And we, of course, didn't do those things in the draft, minus Spencer Brown, who has been a blessing. But really, again, it was a later draft pick. It, we just didn't use the opportunities and I feel like it was right in front of us. And I don't want to say it's completely Brandon Bean's fault because I think Sean McDermott needs to take some blame because we know his mentality is always defense, defense, defense. Build up your defensive line. Only play them 50 to 60% of snaps because you want them to be fresh. And those are all great things, but we know what the Bills are. The Bills have a great quarterback, and you need to protect him. It's like in anything in this world, you protect your prized possession, and I just don't think the Bills did that. They had plenty of opportunities to do so, and they didn't. And I think the Kansas City Chiefs are the greatest correlation. They're the greatest team to look at here because they had a very similar situation to the Bills. They had an offensive line that needed to be revamped. And what did they do? They revamped that offense, that offensive line, and now look at them. It's it's hard to ignore what they did and what we did. And yes, we're not the exact same team, but we have a lot of the same things. And the Bills, I think, just missed the mark. I think that Boogie Basham could be really good, but I just don't know if we needed him, or at the very least, if you're gonna do that, spend some money on the offensive line. Spend some money on the running back position. It seems like we basically said, hey, we have Devin Singletary and he had an okay rookie season. We're going to give him another shot. We have Zach Moss, who was injured most of the season last year. Let's give him another shot and let's just cross our fingers and hope to God that our running game is decent. Like, it's a little crazy to do that when, when I should remind us all here that we had aspirations to be a Super Bowl contender. You can't tell me you're a Super Bowl contender if you don't have a running game at all, if you have a horrible offensive line. You know, it's it's frustrating because I feel like we have to keep saying this, but that is where the Bills are at this point. They're living and dying on Josh Allen, and there's no reason that we should be living and dying on Josh Allen when we knew we had these problems. Corbin, I think you got something there.
2: Let, let me go into the mind of, of Brandon Bean real quick, especially from 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 last season. Okay, our offensive line was was good last year. We were we were running the ball. We were we were we were doing a lot better than we were were this year, right? We were we were protecting Josh Allen a lot better. Were we not? I wouldn't say our running game was like the Tennessee Titans, but we were we were more effective than we were this year. So in his mind, it's like okay, like we have something here. Uh, Feliciano has he was he was there the whole year not to say he's a great player but he's a much better player than Ike Bacher I can guarantee you that we we um I think we we lost our we moved our right tackle inside which is where we we inserted Spencer Brown to right tackle he's a rookie we don't know what he can do in the first I would say first five six games but Spencer Brown looked fantastic and then he goes up against Shaq Barrett yesterday and gets run around like it's like it's it's really hard for a GM to look at. I was like, okay, we did this well last year. Um, we we should we should be okay. We should be able to improve because a GM's mindset is just continuing to improve the team and watching players improve. But to you guys' point, I will say this: the Bills should could have added or drafted some more depth there, or could have gone out in free agency and gotten someone, or and and. Listen, this is, this is, this could be crazy, but why not just sign Adrian Peterson for a couple of weeks? I mean, he's, I mean, why not? He's on the practice squad somewhere. I would not mind. I would not mind seeing that man getting back there in his, in his racer's stance and, and running straight ahead for three or four yards. I, I mean, he, he doesn't cost much, but you know, I'm not the genie.
0: I hate to even mention his name. But we did go into this season, the GM, Brandon Bean, expecting that Cody Ford would be our starting right guard. That to me was maybe the most bizarre thing. We have seen Cody Ford in his first two seasons, he was atrocious. And he has gotten even worse somehow this year. So the fact that we went into the season thinking that Cody Ford was going to start and then having his backup be Ike Butker was a big red flag that we didn't bring in any one who could potentially be an upgrade to that at the guard position was maybe our biggest mistake of the off season. And Corbin mentioned it, but we went into this season very, with, almost total consistency on this roster from last year. We made very few changes, expecting guys would be as good or better than last year. Unfortunately, that hasn't been the case and consistency somehow has hurt us this year, both among our coordinators and on our team. We've become a little too predictable having had the same group of guys together for X number of years. Leslie Frazier and Dable have been together now at least three straight years, and that has actually made us easy maybe to plan for, and it's resulted in us getting worse, which is not usually the case in the NFL. Consistency usually means you get better. This year, somehow it's hurt us.
1: It's interesting. I'm laughing because it is laughable that we went in with Cody Ford as our potential starting lineman. It, it, it's laughable. And part of it, unfortunately, is Brandon Bean drafted Cody Ford. He obviously really believed in him, still somehow believed in him, even when it was clear that he could no longer play. They tried him at tackle. It didn't work. They tried him at right guard. It didn't work. They tried him as the backup right guard. It didn't work. Like, nothing works with him. And this isn't. This doesn't need to become the Cody Ford show. But, again, it just – we know there's an issue with our offensive line. We know they could have been fixed. It wasn't. Unfortunately, this is where we're at. Unfortunately, the person <laughs> – who's hurting the most out of this is not me. It's not Corbin. It's not you, Kev. It's not any of the bills fans. It's not any of the coaches. It's Josh Allen because he's got a sprained foot now and you can blame the offensive line for that one. So I think at this point in time, we have to just believe that that magic that we saw in that second half from Josh is just magic that he can give for a few more weeks can get us into the playoffs, and then we'll see where things go. I think that that's where we're at at this point. I want to end this show on one last piece here. I want to let Corbin go through the keys to the game because we're taking on the Carolina Panthers. We've talked a lot now about the Bills' loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which doesn't feel like a loss because there's some good things that came from that game. The Bills are still in a playoff position. They still have a chance to make the playoffs, but they pretty much have to basically win out here. Do we need to do anything specific against the Panthers? Do we just need to play our game and not worry and not sort of hurt ourselves? Just, just play our game, right? The biggest thing
2: this weekend, Jake and Kevin, is we need to generate turnovers. We need to get back to that. The past couple of games, we haven't been generating any that's been turning the ball over. So once we get back to that point, and we'll be, we'll have some opportunity this weekend, especially if they start Cam Newton at quarterback. I mean, he has looked terrible, and I, I love Cam Newton, great player, but he he's he's way past his time. It's, it's time for him to to um, maybe maybe pack it up. But if they do start him, we need to contain him in the pocket because he still does run okay. He's not as fast as he used to be, but we need to be back there and create some turnovers and get some, get maybe some pick sixes, some tips and, and some tips and some picks, and things like that. And we also need to rush the passer and get him on the ground. And, and let, let's be hopeful this week. Hopefully Josh Allen will be able to, to play. I, I would err on the side of caution with him. If he can't play, let's see what Mitch can do. Yeah, I, you know, I have faith in Mitch to go out there and win us one game, especially against the Panthers who haven't done hardly anything well. Their their best players out Christian McCaffrey he can't at all so they really don't have a lot of options on the offensive side on the defensive side they're very young on the defensive line they're still kind of learning how to play their line they're young at the linebacker core um, they have um, Stefan Gilmore but he's still kind of kind of learning the the defense um, for Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers so I see a lot of opportunities for us in, in the past game on the offensive side. I'm not talking about running the ball anymore because that's just not something that the Bills do. It's not something that I want them to do and, it's, and it's not something that we do well. But I'm going to go a little bit deeper here and let you guys know about what's coming up and how we're going to get into the playoffs. Right now, we have the Indianapolis Colts ahead of, ahead of us. The the Browns are behind us. The Bengals are behind us. But w- what, what percentage am I going to give us to make the playoffs? So let's, let's let's look at that. The Browns, they have, uh-oh. I, you don't want to play against Aaron Rodgers this time of year. The Bengals, who are a good team, the Steelers, who can go out there and they can beat you, and then they have to play the Raiders. You have the Bengals, who have to play the Chiefs, who are red hot right now, who weeks ago, we were like, oh man, the Chiefs are, they're done. And now, now they look incredible. So since they have to play them, they have to play the Broncos who have a great defense, the Ravens, and Lamar Jackson will probably be back. I think he'll play this weekend. And then they have to play again, the Browns. And then you have Indy who is ahead of us. They have to play New England who is playing. Fantastic. They will probably win out this year. The Cardinals, wow. The, the Raiders, and they're okay. And then the Jaguars, man. and then you've got the New England Patriots for the division. I, right now, I can't see the Bills winning in the division because the, the Pats have the Colts. They have to play us, then the Jaguars, and then the Dolphins. And then for us, we have the Falcons. I believe we can win this weekend, Carolina. The Pats will be a tough one, and then the Jets. So I believe if we can win three out of four, we'll, we'll be in the playoffs. But it's all about what are we doing to gain momentum to get into the playoffs. How are we playing? If we can figure out in these last four games and gain some momentum into the playoffs, we can make some noise. But if we play like we did in the first half yesterday, it, it's it's not gonna look good. But I'm, I'm giving the Bills, they say the Bills have a 66% chance of making the playoffs. I give them about an 80% chance based on what I just read.
1: So you're saying there's a chance The Bills can make the playoffs. And it it is true. I I like that you broke down all the other teams we're competing with. There is no question. The Bills have a pretty easy path to the playoffs, as easy as you can ask for in this situation. At being in seven and six, looking the way that we have. Do we even deserve that? No, but we have it. So we got to take it. We have this path. We have a real shot. And look maybe we'll shock the world and beat the Patriots and just roll out. And like you said, the the big thing here, Corbin, is that we have momentum going into the playoffs. It's not just making the playoffs. It's actually having the right things in place to make a real impact in the playoffs. And that's the hope here. So again, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Kevin, for joining us. Corbin, always great as always. And go bills.
2: Go bills. bills.